traditionals so that they do not enjoy same benefit with other races when claiming for healthcare services rendered. And moreover, there were allegations of fraud, wastage and abuse in the medical schemes system. Honorable members, the purpose of today's meeting is to receive the progress made thus far regarding the implementation of the findings of Section 59 report, which had been uh, which has been done since there were allegations of racial profiling and lack of transformation. Lastly, we will receive presentation by the Department of Public Service and Administration on the success and challenges regarding the implementation of government employees' housing schemes and its find, uh, savings, rather. With those few words, let me allow the Honorable Minister uh, or Deputy Minister, if the Minister is not in attendance, uh, to make his or her remarks before the presenters. I now invite the Honorable Minister. Good morning, Thank Chair. You, Minister, apologized yesterday. Oh, sorry, DM. Thank oh. you, Chairperson. Good morning. Uh, good morning, DM. Uh, uh, let me first start by acknowledging you, Chairperson, and the members of the uh, Portfolio Committee and the public at large. Uh, also acknowledging the officials uh, from the Department of Public Service uh, Administration present here with us this morning. Uh, to say that the minister has actually apologized that he wouldn't be in the position to come uh, and join us today uh, in this portfolio committee meeting. Uh, but uh, your introduction has briefly touched on the business that will actually be um, conducted today, uh, which indeed is what we will be doing. Uh, what I want to just actually also indicate is that um, we will, besides GEMS, uh, be looking at uh, the Government Employee Pensions Fund. Um, the briefing uh, will be on challenges uh, regarding impl implementation of the Government Employee Pension Scheme. And with the Government Employee Pension Scheme, one of the major uh, challenges that we are currently busy with uh, that may actually, to some extent, also uh, want us as a portfolio committee to also uh, liaise with the, com uh, the Committee for Finance is pulling out of South African Home Loan, which was an entity that was actually uh, prefaced uh, by the, um, the, the chamber, uh, that is labor and, the, and public service to actually provide access uh, to housing for public servants with the hope that it was actually going to be in the position to manage to allow public servants to easily and in an affordable manner access housing. 
without actually having to comply to a number of requirements that are actually found across the board in all financial institutions. But what is unfortunate is that SA Home Loan continues to operate as a financial institution, which is what we need to look at and try to fast track in terms of getting out of the status level agreement so that we can anew look at the way of actually making it possible and easy for uh, public servants to manage to uh, access housing. I'm not going to be talking too much about GEMS uh, because what you've actually indicated is what you're going to be putting your lens on in terms of GEMS. But to say regardless of um, the negativity of the report that has been alluded to, in general, the scheme is actually running um, uh, uh, at its maximum uh, potential. And they actually have even managed to have some kind of surplus in the previous financial year, uh, which is something that is actually uh, positive that we need to look at. But I will allow uh, the DG to actually make a presentation on the two so that uh, the, the committee can, can be briefed um, uh, in a way that is very informative. I thank you, Chairperson. Oh, uh, Honorable uh, Deputy Minister, um, the first presenter can take the floor. Who will that be? Uh, thank you, Chairperson. Uh, I am uh, Dr. Stan Mulwabi, the Principal Officer of the Government Employees uh, Medical Scheme. But uh, before I do the presentation, I am with the Deputy Chair of the Board of Trustees, and that uh, Farisene Popi, who will just uh, uh, do the, the greetings. Good morning, Chairperson. I'm Farisene Popi, Deputy Chair of GEMS. Thank you very much. Nda. 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 Uh, thank you, uh, Chairperson uh, of the Portfolio Committee. Uh, I'm just uh, sharing the presentation. Uh, while I do, uh, Chairperson, I would also uh, love to uh, greetings to the members of the Portfolio Committee. And uh, 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 greetings to the DM and all uh, uh, colleagues who are accompanying from uh, the DPSA. Uh, I seem to be at the wrong slide. Uh, can I just quickly do this? Thank you, Chair. Can I just check if uh, the presentation uh, can be seen, uh, Chairperson, please? I see colors of the rainbow. Thank you, Chairperson, and uh, those uh, uh, colors are what we also try to espouse at the Government Employees Medical Scheme. Uh, Chairperson, uh, the, 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 the purpose, as was said uh, in the introduction by yourself and uh, the Deputy Minister, is uh, to appraise the portfolio on public service and administration on the scheme's response and implementation of remedial measures to the Section 59 interim report findings. And we do would like also to indicate that this was an interim uh, re uh, report. Uh, we still await the final report. The background to the Section 59 inquiry is that uh, uh, around October 2018, you know, there was a presidential healthcare summit. And one of the biggest uh, thing concerns that was raised was about the existence of 
uh, fraud, waste, and abuse uh, in the uh, healthcare industry. And then uh, subsequent to that, uh, the Council for Medical Scheme, which is the regulator, held a fraud, waste, and abuse summit uh, in February 19, uh, 2019. And then in March, there were some reports where some of the healthcare providers were basically saying, well, despite all this report about the existence of fraud, waste, and abuse, uh, they were saying that they, they, they do not abuse the medical schemes. And then uh, around May 2019, then there was a, a, a advocacy group called the NHCPA and Solutionist Thinkers who appeared uh, in the media basically making the allegations uh, that uh, the medical schemes are uh, biased against black healthcare professionals. In June, then, there was the establishment of the Section uh, 59 uh, investigation. The report was released on the 19th of January, 2021. Uh, the report uh, was shared with uh, various uh, parties. And uh, since it is an interim report, uh, the parties uh, who were subject to the Section 59 investigation were given until the 5th of April, 2021 to provide responses to the interim report. Uh, and with regard to the government employees medical scheme, Chairperson, as you have alluded, there was negative uh, publicity uh, uh, generated uh, in the me media. And uh, we do, uh, we then uh, basically as a scheme uh, came up with a response plan to address the, the interim findings that merited action. Our response at the government employees, uh, 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 government employees medical scheme uh, involved uh, a threefold response, which was intensive healthcare provider engagements. We looked into our fraud, waste, and abuse policy, how it is executed. We looked at the processes, practices. We looked at anything in the database that has to do with uh, uh, the fraud, waste, and abuse. And then started an, also an engagement uh, process with our stakeholders. Our principal as the government employees medical scheme being the, the Department of Public Service and Administration, we engage with the ministry uh, from time to time to give them update on what we are doing. And also any stakeholders like the board, committee members, and uh, with their regular updates on the work we do. And uh, to that effect, we engage with various uh, health provider associations, uh, amongst which uh, they are advocacy groups, they're called solutions thinkers, independent committee, uh, practitioners associations, uh, the South African Medical Association, the dental practitioners, and there's quite a long, a, a long list. Uh, and they also were part of uh, submissions to the Section 59 uh, 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 investigation. We adopted an open door policy, which uh, was uh, uh, also is ongoing. So these engagements with the various uh, advocacy organizations, representative organizations of the healthcare providers, we are continuing to meet them on a regular basis. One of the things we thought it's important just to state is that uh, GEMS is a transformative uh, uh, organization. And we back this with objective numbers uh, to show the GEMS commitment to transformation. 
the policy principles that uh, drive uh, that are behind what we say when we say that it's a transformative organization is that we 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 are uh, alive to driving the country's transformational agenda in gems sphere of influence we leverage gems position as a strategic purchaser of healthcare services being the second biggest medical scheme in the country and the biggest uh, 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 closed medical scheme for public service employees. We are committed to bring about much needed positive socioeconomic transfer, uh, transformation in those areas of influence. And we encourage, encourage increased participation of black people as well, the employment of empowerment of suppliers uh, in our uh, value chain. And uh, in thus uh, achieving promotion, uh, promoting and accelerating shared economic growth. And we also implement preferential procurement and promotion. And the numbers that, I'm, uh, that I referred to are on the right of the slide where GEMS beneficiaries, 95% Black. Before the establishment of BLEM, we have over a million uh, beneficiaries who previously were not covered coming onto the uh, private uh, medical scheme insurance uh, uh, cover as a result of the establishment of GEMS. In terms of the GEMS employees, 97.3 are Black, 69% are female, and uh, 2.5 are people living with disabilities. And on the procurement side, 42% uh, of uh, uh, those that do business with GEMS are either EME, large uh, 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 enterprises, QSE, and then they also qualify in terms of the Black uh, B, triple BEE, the generic scores. And then 22% are level 2 EME. And then during 2020, we had five uh, of the big were on level of the big suppliers were on level one. In 2021, GEMS was also a finalist in the APSA uh, Supplier Development uh, Awards. When we establish hospital networks, we ensure that there's inclusion of level one and two hospital and there is bias towards the inclusion of hospital serving previously disadvantaged communities. And these are usually Black-owned uh, private hospitals. In terms of the demographics uh, of the officers of GEMS, uh, the Board of Trustees made up of 67% Black, 33% uh, White. The executives is 64% Black, 18% uh, White, 9% Indian, and 9% Colored. Senior managers, 62% Black, 13% uh, uh, White, 21% uh, uh, Indian, and 4% uh, uh, Colored. And in terms of gender, uh, uh, we have 75% of the, of the board is male, 25% is female. At the executive level, 55% is female, 45% is male. And the level of senior managers, 58% female, 42% uh, male. So when we talk transformation, these are the objective numbers that we are presenting to say GEMS is indeed a transformed organization. Before I uh, uh, go through, uh, Chairperson, I just add the, 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 the feedback on uh, the specifics. We just thought that we should just quickly define what fraud, waste, and abuse is because this is what started the whole Section 59. So 
when we talk about healthcare fraud, we have those that knowingly submit or causing to be submitted false claims against the medical scheme. And this is an intentional misrepresentation of the facts in order to access payment by the medical scheme of a benefit to which one would otherwise not have been entitled. And fraud is a criminal uh, uh, endeavor. And then waste and abuse are those that claim against the medical scheme for healthcare treatment and services that are not, not absolutely medical, medically necessary, including any form of over-servicing or overcharging of a patient. And that may objectively be considered unethical or unconscionable or contrary to the best practice. And at this stage, I must just mention that fraud is estimated to be about 5 to 15% uh, 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 against uh, the healthcare insurance. And the types of fraud are stated here. We have various types of frauds that we experience as a medical scheme. Uh, people uh, uh, claiming, uh, getting admitted so that they can claim against hospital cash cashback plans, so they were not necessarily sick, just to access those uh, products. Uh, there's collusion, there can be collusion uh, between members and the healthcare providers to get cash out of a medical scheme. There can be um, lots of tests, this is waste, duplicate of unnecessary tests, or there can be exceeding the the, what is normally regarded as standard practice in terms of consultations, times, and then you can claim more because you spend more time with the patients. And then there's also what we call padding of claims, where claims because we are it's a third-party payer system. Uh, you can uh, we have people padding claims, including things that they do not necessarily uh, 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 rendered. And then there's billing of services not. Uh, rendered as well. So what were the main complaints before Section 59 was established? Uh, the complaints were mainly that uh, there was uh, the medical schemes in dealing with fraud, waste, and abuse uh, can be aggressive, impersonal, threatening in nature, uh, uh, and the communication regarding any allegations against the healthcare providers. And uh, also that there's a blanket approach described as a one-size-fits-all, which means that uh, all healthcare professionals are painted with one brush. And we have always said, and I repeat that, it is only a small percentage of this health of these professionals who actually are, are, are committing fraud. Uh, so it's definitely a chance we have not done that. And then the, they also, the complaint was when we investigate fraud, waste and abuse, uh, there is lack of clinical understanding by the medical schemes. And as a result, the medical schemes are not in a position to can say whether the care that was given is appropriate or not. And then uh, there was also the big complaint of the medical schemes uh, uh, requesting disclosure of confidential information. And on the right of the slide, I've indicated uh, that basically in, well, our response was that we make it very clear uh, in our correspondence, so there's no aggression and threatening nature. We make it very clear what uh, the matter is all about, and uh, we deal with each case on its merit, so we don't do a blanket approach. And we have medical practitioners and specialists and people who are clearly aware what is healthcare 
and what diagnosis, what is uh, the right care of patients when they investigate this claim. So we have knowledgeable officers of the scheme dealing with this. And then when we request information, we do not request detailed confidential patient notes. However, we only request information that deals with the uh, claims. So our response uh, to the gems uh, sec- uh, to the to the section for fifty nine. In fact, our the actions that we have undertaken since the publication of the interim report was that we engaged with the media to explain. Uh, we have also uh, established. Uh, various member education uh, uh, on the various platforms of the scheme to ensure that members understand what is fraud and what is uh, claiming appropriately against the medical scheme. We have also engaged with the healthcare providers where we had a webinar which was attended by over 500 delegates of the healthcare profession and uh, we uh, conducted a lot of discussions with uh, those uh, uh, practitioners. And then we 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 have been uh, indicating what our response and reporting uh, in our various uh, 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 platforms on what the GEMS response to the interim report is, and with updates uh, at the level of the Public Service uh, Coordinating Bargaining Council, the DPSA. We have had as chairperson, we have reported to the Parliament Portfolio Committee, and then uh, uh, we also uh, engage with the healthcare providers. I'm just quickly going to deal with those findings of the the interim findings. Uh, So one of the interim findings, which is the one that uh, uh, the chairperson mentioned at the beginning of uh, the the introduction, the detection systems, this is an interim finding, employed by Discovery Gems and MedSchem use algorithms to flag providers as so-called outliers. Now, this is where the main main thing that was there in the media comes out of, the one that says there's bias against healthcare providers. However, one of the things that was said is that it was clearly said in the interim, uh, while there is this outcome that comes out of these algorithms, there wasn't evidence to show that this was intentional. And I think this is one thing that that basically always is not uh, mentioned. So uh, one of the things uh, that came out of the report uh, was that, however, while there is automation uh, in the operation of these algorithms that identify the outliers who end up being uh, investigated for for fraud, waste, and abuse, there's always an element of human intervention at some point along the chain of investigation. Maybe that may introduce bias. So what we did at GEMS, we looked at this, and we we looked at the system that is being used, and uh, there is no inputs into the system which have anything to do with the race. All the work that is done uh, in this algorithm had to, uh, have to do with input of uh, practice numbers, and uh, the race is not uh, 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 introduced. However, what then also we did is that we strengthened where there has got to be human uh, 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 in our standard operating procedure. What we did is that we strengthened the level of expertise 
for those who have to do analysis at the human level, the human intervention that is being referred to, to ensure that whatever the outcomes of uh, who is to be investigated must be informed by expertise. And we have very senior people who are now looking at uh, these uh, outliers before it can be dis, uh, dis, uh, decided whether uh, a case needs to be investigated further. And then one of the interim findings, according to the Section 59 interim report, was that all administrators request confidential uh, patient information, uh, for information from providers. But the justification for the request varies between the various schemes. The request for patient information can then often spend many months and even years. So at GEMS, what we have done is that we we looked, we, we request benefit beneficiary information to verify whether the services have been rendered. We do not ask for confidential patient notes. And this matter we also referred to the HPCSA, which is the Health Professional Council of South Africa ethics guidance notes, just to make sure that we are within what is acceptable, uh, having due regard for the Section 59 interim uh, report. So we also make sure that the period covered uh, by the information uh, does not have to be a very long period. And uh, with the implementation of the POPI Act uh, from July last year, we, we have also ensured that uh, there is training sessions for uh, our employees to, en to ensure that we also comply with the POPI Act. And when communicating with healthcare providers, our letters are now specific to who we are talking. They are as concise and as possible, and they only ask for the information that is absolutely necessary. And the, the review process, we try and make sure that it is uh, looking at a shorter period uh, because it was saying that this spans over many years and we're looking at the 24-month uh, period. And then the other uh, interim finding, the complaints of racial discrimination must be taken seriously by the schemes and administrators. This is actually, this is a comment from the report. In order to understand how normative systems create unfair consequences, it is, an, it is necessary to consider the position of the people who are telling you it's not working for them. And this is the reason why we have already started doing work. We were responding to this recommendation from the Section 59 panel. We regarded uh, the, the complaints in a serious light, and hence we started engaging with the healthcare providers, as I have explained earlier. And we, as a scheme, the progress update is that we have been active through extensive stakeholder and media engagement to ensure that the stakeholders uh, receive factual information about the investigation and the role that we at GEMS have played in reducing inequality. And this is basically through the engagement that we have had with the healthcare providers and the, we have reviewed as I indicated earlier, as the policies we have reviewed and looked at areas where the interim report suggests that we should, uh, maybe we may, we may have, we, should, we can do it a bit differently. 
So the GEMS claims fraud, risk, and abuse awareness communication strategy and plan was developed, and uh, we adhere to wanting to be a, a, a good corporate uh, a, a, a citizen. And uh, some of the work that we are doing, it is really related to that idea. And then uh, there was also the the find the interim finding that any amount when the when fraud or waste or abuse has been proven, and then there is a need to claw back the money from a healthcare provider. The recommendation in the, the interim findings makes the statement that any amount which is clawed back by a scheme, it must be reasonable and must be based on a methodology which is reasonable. So what we are saying in terms of over uh, reviewing this, we said GEMS uh, quantification of a forensic debt, so it is a proven debt, follows a systemic process. And it's based on the findings of investigations. It's not just a deciding that this was fraudulent. There are processes that are put in place to prove that uh, this was uh, this is debt that results uh, from uh, fraudulent uh, claiming against the scheme. And uh, where we make uh, estimations, this is backed by facts and the circumstances surrounding the practice, but we we'll always ensure that there is supporting information uh, from a practice uh, to determine what the debt of that practice is. And then what we did, we revised the debt management policy. The changes uh, were mainly intended to bring about alignment with the uh, policy changes that we are making and also ensure that we only use best practice in our debt recovery, as this was highlighted in the Section 59 interim report. The policy is now aligned with best practice and uh, what we do in terms of uh, uh, before we enter into a debt recovery process with the healthcare provider, we perform an affordability test, looking into the personal circumstances of, of the, 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 the data, while we ensure that the obligations of the scheme uh, are always met. And the obligations here of the scheme is that if there has been fraudulent claim against the scheme, then uh, the scheme is obligated to recover those uh, fees. Chairperson, uh, in conclusion, having gone through uh, the steps that we have taken uh, since the findings of the interim report, we need to we just want to repeat that GEM supports economic transformation, and this includes prevention, detection, and responding effectively to corruption and fraud. And in responding to the Section 59 inquiry interim report, we acknowledge that uh, we exist in a country and a society where inequality still prevails. Our aim at GEMS is to create and preserve the value of the GEMS and stakeholders and to avoid erosion of this value in the health ecosystem and broader society. We will continue at the Government Employees Medical Scheme in the process of introspection and address any operational deficiencies. And we have done that 
largely uh, relating to the Section 59 inquiry interim findings. James is committed to playing our role in addressing systemic inequality through leveraging stakeholder relationships. And this, in this case, the relationships that we are talking about are those with the healthcare providers. And there are those who said they have been found to have claimed wrongly against medical schemes because they do not understand the process and they are new. We have committed to ensuring that we train the new providers on how they can claim against the medical schemes so that uh, they may, may not be found to, uh, to be taken to have committed fraud. And we have committed ourselves to improved communication with healthcare providers to ensure that we do not have these allegations uh, that are coming, which were very unfortunate. So we don't know when the final report will be released, but we await uh, the release of the final report. And once it is released, we'll study the report. And as we have done to the interim report, we'll respond accordingly. Thank you, Chairperson. Thank you. That concludes your presentation, isn't it? That is correct, uh, Chairperson. Thank you. Uh, honorable members, I want now, <coughs> I want us to, to get the second presentation and then discuss those two reports together. After that, we go to the last item. If, if, if you are agreeable to that proposition. Yes, we are. Agreed. Agreed, Chairperson. Okay. Thank I you very much, that. Honorable Members. Can I invite now the, the Honorable Deputy Minister? Um, may I take the opportunity, um, Chairperson, to invite uh, the DG to present the second report, which will be on government employee uh, pension fund, government employee uh, housing scheme. I'm sorry. Thank you, Chairperson. Thank you, Honorable Deputy Minister. You can take the floor, Presenter. Thank you, Chairperson, and good morning to members of the Portfolio Committee. Good morning to the Deputy Minister and colleagues who are in the, uh, in the, in the meeting. Uh, Chairperson, uh, the Chief Director for um, uh, Macro Benefits at DPSA will be presenting Mr. Dumisan Nguamba. However, whilst he's setting up, I just want to highlight that um, the, the work that we are doing on the government employee housing scheme uh, has also been affected by um, the discussions and the, and the resolutions of the public sector summit that we held between labor and government in, um, uh, in March 2022. And uh, one of the decisions of the summit was that there is a, a need for a new institutional form 
to drive this work of the government employee housing scheme. There is also a need for new packages that are friendly and affordable to employees in terms of the housing scheme that we are having, the packages uh, regarding home loans that are available. And this is the work that we are currently engaging in with Treasury, um, GPF, as well as the human settlements. Um, GPF is an interested investor in terms of the, the, the work uh, that we are doing with the government employee housing scheme. Um, we have been given a period of a year to uh, focus on these areas and be able to deliver on them. So I just thought I need to highlight that there, there are changes that will be happening and we are working around it and, and rolling out the system in relation to that. Otherwise, um, having given that brief um, uh, update, I will then hand over to Tumisani, who will take the committee through the areas that they wanted a briefing on. Thank you, Chair. Uh, thanks, uh, DG, uh, Chairperson, and all members of the Portfolio Committee, uh, Deputy Minister, um, good morning. Um, I was trying to share the video so that members of the committee can see who is presenting. Um, Chairperson, the presentation will focus on three areas as per the request of the committee. Uh, that is GHS successes, uh, uh, savings, as well as challenges in the implementation of the government employees housing scheme. Uh, the first area that we'll be dealing with, uh, Mr. Chairperson, is the area regarding uh, GHS uh, savings. I seem to be struggling with uh, the system, but I'll just continue to present uh, hopefully it will come back to normal health. The first area that I'll be dealing with, Mr. Chairperson, is the area regarding GHS uh, savings. Uh, prior to the signing of the PSCBC Resolution 7 of 2015, of course, government employees were receiving housing allowance. Uh, but then such housing allowance was not directed to uh, purchasing homes. And therefore, the signing of the agreement uh, allowed the introduction of the individual linked savings facility, which has now created a culture of savings by public servants. A number of public servants uh, utilize this facility to save towards home ownership. In other words, once there is enough uh, in the savings, they are able then to follow all the GHS processes, withdraw, and then secure, buy a home or build a home. And as a 31 March 2022, a total of 14 billion rand was saved in the ILSF by approximately 210 uh, public service employees. And I must indicate that the savings facility itself, uh, Mr. Chairperson, is managed by the National Treasury on behalf of the uh, GHS. The other important factor to mention is that an amount in excess of 300 million rand is being deposited into the ILSF monthly by public service employees. Uh, and as I indicated, this is solely for them to assist them when there is enough in their savings to be able to buy a home. A further 700 million rand, uh, 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 it's worth indicating, that has been forfeited by employees due to non-compliance 
with the PSCBC resolution, uh, as I indicated, uh, which uh, made it clear that if an employee is dismissed or resigned from the public service, uh, such savings are forfeited. So currently, uh, there is an amount standing at 700 million rand, which has been forfeited uh, by employees. The GHS has appointed a service provider to this end to conduct research during this financial year on the possible effective use of the savings and forfeited funds to the benefit of employees. Uh, Such findings, of course, will be presented to the DPSA Executive Committee and the PSCBC Working uh, Committee that deals with the GHS matters. Uh, But just to stress that whatever the outcome is, uh, such an outcome will have to be governed uh, by processes um, in relation to the P- uh, Public Finance uh, Management Act, the PFMA. In other words, the Treasury makes final determination on the matter. And I must apologize, the Chairperson, my uh, system has frozen, so I'm not able to run the presentation, but I will continue to present. With regard to GHS successes, many government employees are aware of the GHS services through information and outreach sessions, which we conduct countrywide with national and provincial departments, as well as certain entities that are governed by the PSCBC. And while there are many challenges, Mr. Chairperson, it is worth noting Uh, as the DG uh, indicated uh, in her opening remarks that uh, there are certain measures which are being implemented to rebuild the scheme. It is worth noting that during this uh, brief period uh, from 2015 to uh, to date, um, provision of housing access uh, to government employees has improved. And just to take you through this table, um, uh, uh, housing allowance amount in 2015 was 900 rand, and it continued to be increased. And today it is 1,500 rands. Employees eligible but not receiving allowance, housing allowance, uh, which is a cost of concern. In 2015 it was 305,000, and now it's 200,000, which is uh, uh, still extremely high. It's a matter that ourselves as a GHS team, we've embarked on a particular campaign to speak to those departments where there is a high number of employees who are eligible but not receiving such an allowance to ensure that this anomaly is corrected. Employees receiving old uh, housing allowance, there has been much progress here. In 2015, it was approximately 45,000, but now as of 31 March 2022, it's 6,457. Employees receiving housing allowance as homeowners, there has been much progress there. In 2015, 353,000, to date, 744,000. Employees receiving housing allowance as tenants, and even here, uh, Mr. Chairperson, there has been some progress. Uh, in 2015, 570,000, uh, but to date, it's just under 210,000. The current funding arrangements, Mr. Chairperson and members of the committee, uh, of course, involves the SA home loans. Uh, and in partnership with the GPF, uh, PIC, and ourselves as DPSA. And to that, we are able to report that in that current, in this current arrangement, 
uh, around 25,000 government employees uh, were assisted uh, with home loans uh, based on the current uh, partnership and were able to uh, break it down in terms of uh, mortgages, uh, 23,000 housing access loans, uh, just uh, under 1,700 and in total 24,817. There is the matter of the enrollment system, which is very key, critical to the functioning of the GHS. The enrollment system allows the scheme to profile employees and be informed of their current and future housing choices or solutions. And uh, to date, or as at February 2022, 458,126 employees uh, were enrolled through information gathered during information sessions and inquiries inquiries received. The GHS uh, embarked on a process to identify government employees who forfeited their savings, not through a fault of their own, but due to HR processes in departments failing them. Uh, To this end, uh, the department has uh, 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 approved following submission of names by national and provincial departments uh, to pay out uh, those employees who were disadvantaged disadvantaged because of HRC uh, processes. Uh, 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 This will obviously require as well a concurrence from the National uh, Treasury, but from the department uh, DPSA side, uh, that process has been cleared by the Director General. The third important uh, point, Mr. Chairperson and members of the committee, is the memorandum of understanding that was entered into by the department uh, and the National Housing Finance Corporation with regard to the subsidy, which is offered generally to citizens in the country, but the memo uh, extends that kind of subsidy program to government employees. I need to indicate uh, 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 that, uh, just to give to cite an example, if an employee is earning 3,500 rands, uh, the subsidy that will be made available to such an employee would be 121,000 um, rand. So those who are earning between 3,500 and 22,000 uh, rents per month that are eligible for the FLISP subsidy. And as I indicated, the memorandum of understanding uh, is already in operation as uh, signed off by the department and the NHFC. The other important measure of success, uh, which deals with uh, uh, employee indebtedness as well as attachments to salaries of employees who are highly indebted. There is a program that we are working together with the National Treasury to assist employees uh, uh, in this regard. And then there is also an important factor, the introduction of home access loans, which have made it possible for employees to build their own houses, especially in the uh, PTO, that is the permission to occupy space in rural areas. So that has been done. Uh, 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 commercial banks uh, do not assist uh, those who want to build in rural areas. And we have many public servants uh, who work in rural areas. And this program has allowed them to build their own houses through the home access loans. The 
The next area of uh, a challenge, uh, Mr. Chairperson, I suspected very much that the video uh, blocked uh, 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 the process of presentation. I have now switched it off. The next uh, ch challenge, uh, Mr. Chairperson, is the issue regarding the 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 form of the GHS as is currently is a directorate. Uh, 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 within the branch negotiations, labor relations and remuneration uh, management. I need to indicate as the Director General uh, stressed that the in-house model poses some kind of challenges, but it's a matter that is being attended to following the uh, public uh, service uh, summit to review the institutional form uh, of the GHS uh, processes that may lead uh, to this uh, scheme to be a government uh, component. The other area of challenge, interaction with employees through the enrollment system, information and outreach sessions, has exposed a high level of indebtedness of employees, which impedes access to home ownership and uh, GHS is looking at opportunities to address this challenge. As I indicated, the National Treasury uh, is also partnering with us to uh, deal with uh, this particular uh, challenge. The most difficult area, uh, Mr. Chairperson, is that the current funding model um, uh, that we have uh, with SA Home Loans um, through the arrangement with the PIC and the GPF has not been able to resolve the issue of high interest rates. So uh, in a way, it defeats the purpose of um, assisting government employees to uh, access affordable uh, homes uh, with better interest rates. Uh, but we're not, we have not been able to deal with this matter. But there has been an undertaking following the public service summit held in March uh, for engagement by the PSCBC Working Committee with the GPF and the PIC to deal in particular with a new funding model, which will ensure that uh, we're able to deliver on our mandate um, as a signed off or as agreed back then in 2015, in line with the resolution seven of 2015. The poor implementation of standard operating procedures on the administration of enrollment applications and housing allowance applications by HR practitioners uh, in national and provincial departments is a, a case of uh, concern. Uh, but the Director General, as I indicated, there are uh, circulars which we issue to departments uh, to deal with this kind of uh, challenges that we face time and again. Due to capacity constraints, uh, this is another area of challenge. The GHS is unable to verify savings withdrawals as they are submitted directly to national treasury, notwithstanding the fact that we do engage with the treasury time and again to monitor and assess uh, this uh, area. And then the other challenge, there is no verification system to ensure that savings released under permission to occupy applications are indeed utilized to build houses in rural areas, despite the requirements that funds should be utilized for building within a, a period of 12 months. And then there is also an issue of um, typology of houses suitable for government employees on salaries level one to six, uh, which is an area that 
we have uh, initiated a process and engagement with uh, the Department uh, of Human uh, Settlements. And of course, the issue regarding uh, trust deficits, uh, deficit, uh, it's an issue that has been uh, somehow resolved uh, following the PSCBC, I mean, the Public Service Summit held in March. In terms of conclusion, Mr. Chairperson and members of the committee as a way forward, the role of the GHS consultative uh, committee at the PSCBC uh, in addressing the current uh, challenges uh, is very critical. They are playing a central role, of course. And then the issue, uh, uh, without me repeating, the issue of the institutional form is being attended to at the highest level uh, of the department. Um, the last point is just to indicate that the the development of a roadmap that will set out a clear path for the GHS, uh, including transitional measures leading to the termination of a service level agreement with SA Home Loans. That process is underway and uh, has the roadmap has been considered. And the last point, as I conclude, the success of the GHS supporting employees to utilize their housing allowance towards home ownership depends largely uh, to a large degree on affordable ho uh, home loans uh, that they can access from financial institutions. And as such, uh, the undertaking by the PSCBC for a new funding model, uh, 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 negotiating or engaging with the GPF and the PIC will be very critical in this regard. Mr. Chairperson and members of the committee, thank you. That will be the end of the GHS presentation. Uh, thank you. Uh, is the next presenter ready? That was the last one, Chair. Thank you. Oh, oh. <laughs> my counting is not good today. Okay. Honorable members, I now open uh, for discussion the two presentations. Let me note hands. I see the Honorable Deputy Minister, Honorable Nduli, Honorable Kibi, Honorable Mutsipe, Honorable Maneli, Honorable Mkweba, Honorable Gondwe, in that order. Uh, thank you, Chairperson. Mine is just to say that uh, this is these are the two reports that you are actually putting before the committee. Uh, in terms of the second report on the government employee housing scheme, to say that the idea of appointing um, a service provider for IFLS has, is just an, a muted idea. It has not been finalized yet um, as much as uh, the idea of actually also bringing in uh, the presidential infrastructure program on housing. Thank you, Chairperson. Is your person still there? Yes, I've been calling you. 
Can I come in? It's Mandul. I've been saying so. Uh, come in, Honorable Nduli. <laughs> Thank you, Chair. Chair, uh, firstly, I would love to welcome the presentations, both presentations on, on GEMS and the uh, government housing scheme. Now, I, I wanted to discuss, excuse <clears throat> to ask some few, can, can, can I please switch my, seemingly, I don't know what's going on with my track here. Okay, if, if, if the chair can allow me to. The request switch. is granted. Thank you. <coughs> no, chair, I wanted to ask something from, from James. Uh, to say, uh, if James can tell us as to initial, what is it that was lacking that led to the inequality? Maybe was it uh, the that. Uh, the health uh, providers didn't have the same background? If so, was there any platforms for them to have uniform or standard courses or training? Secondly, Chair, um, after the complaints, all the complaints, um, what, what, what uh, does now James have that uh, the, the yardstick? that assist them to check the status, whether now the status is running smooth in terms of a fair treatment or equal treatment. Another one is that uh, maybe according to to your to the problems maybe kkkk can james maybe tell us maybe the specific parts that uh, have been improved uh, in terms of the the, the 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 complaints and that have they attested to that they are working that was for James. Uh, for government uh, housing scheme, I wanted to check something. What happens uh, 
to a member that had applied and then get perished, maybe due to COVID or any other thing, get perished. Um, bearing in mind that uh, this member has been contributing and the, the, the application was not yet through, what will happen in that regard? Look, a, 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 a GA that, that has been staying with um, his or her kids in a, in, in a settlement, informal settlement. Now, with that excitement that we are now going to have a better housing, what happens? I had a, the presenter talking about forfeiting. And maybe one would love to get the clarity in that regard as to how can you forfeit a, something that you, you've been contributing. And maybe in the terms of forfeiting, if they can elaborate as to how are they viewing that and how do they see as a solution. Lastly, Chair, or not lastly, um, 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 the other one, Chair, now it is the backlog of housing allowance. Now, do they have the, the, the strategy now to, to overcome that? And lastly, the old and new allowance. Uh, the presenter said the, 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 the allowance is, is, is increasing. Now, but, but uh, people are still getting the old ones. Now, can you elaborate on that one as to why holding on the old one, whereas the, the, the new one has been approved? Thank you, Chair. Honorable Kibi. Thank you. Thank you, Honorable Chair. Uh, good morning, Chair, Honorable Member, uh, the Deputy Minister. Honorable Chair, let me also join Honorable Julie in welcoming the two presentations. Honorable Chair, I've been well covered by Honorable Nduli uh, in some of the questions that I wanted to ask. But uh, I also want to get to uh, the medical scheme uh, just to hear from the presenter uh, whether in the situation where they found out uh, during the investigation that there are uh, claims that were made or services that were not rendered. Now, I want to know, maybe in their investigation, uh, was it found that there are health practitioners who did that with 
the patient or yeah with the patient or the person that they claimed uh, on behalf of i want to get clarity on that one and what is uh, the uh, turnaround times of processing claims for healthcare uh, providers and what is the current uh, backlog of payment of healthcare claims if uh, they can just uh, categorize in terms of a race uh, one would appreciate that uh, my next one is also after the release of the section 59 report did gems investigate and uh, reprimand officials who were found to be behind the racial profiling as we are getting it that uh, there was also the racial thing and uh, on the allegations that the schemes and administrators uh, unfairly discriminate unfairly discriminated against uh, black providers and use racial profiling in the implementation of section 59 of the act what has been improved to change the, the, the situation or the status quo on housing scheme honorable chair <clears throat> can the presenter please give us uh, details regarding the 700 million profited by the employees due to non-compliance with PSCBC a resolution 7 of 2015. Why is it a savings and also forfeited to the uh, state? My next one is on service provider to conduct research on the possible use of ILCSF uh, savings. Uh, to the benefit of employees. I just want to get clarity on, will government and the department honor the recommendations by a service provider to conduct research during this financial year on the possible uh, effective use of individual linked savings facility and forfeited funds to the benefit of the employees. My last one is, why are there still employees receiving old housing allowances as at the end of March 2022? Can uh, uh, this not be reviewed and rectified? I thank you, Honorable Chair. Honorable Mutipe, take the floor. Thank you very much, Honorable Chairperson. And I also like to welcome the presentation and also like to welcome our CM. Honorable Mutipe, you are breaking up. We don't hear you. And all 
and then all the presentation here for gems of my video. Then all the presentation is GPSA. Uh, like the board members, the, uh, we, we received the report from that the board members. Uh, what I want to know about the board men members is, do you have disabled people? Because that was never mentioned when the report was given, that we had only the race was mentioned. But how many disabled people do we have as board members was not said. Maybe can we have clarity? on it. And then the second one is there is a tendency that is made by the pharmacy that is reducing tablets in the package boxes instead of getting 30, 30 tablets. We only received 10 and then 20 was re reduced from the boxes. And if you cannot read or notice it will be gone just like that. So I want to know, and if it happened that you discover that your tablets are being reduced while you are at home, and when you go back to the pharmacy, they always say that it is a mistake. So this issue is, uh, is happening in the local pharmacies. So I'm requesting that this must be investigated in order that this must be reduced because I'm taking it as a fraud. It's like a fraud because they are stealing from the client. So this must be follow, followed up. I'm asking this to be followed up. And then the other thing is the on the report, it was said uh, uh, that the gems used to have more than a million members. So I want to know what happened? Uh, what happened to those people that led them to leave the gems? What, what was the problem for them to leave the, the, the medic, this medical scheme? And then the other thing is, oh, it's network. I, let me go to a housing scheme. Here it was spoken about the savings. So according to our knowledge is that when you save, it's something that you are going to get maybe by the time that you are due to it. But when you are forfeiting it, I don't understand why must you forfeit it? Maybe here we must also get the whole clarity. Why should you forfeit? Because you have been saving the money and you know that at this point in time, I will be receiving it. And then even the money that was saved, there is a saying that you forfeit, you forfeit by the time you resign or by the time you, you leave you resign or you have been fired from work. So I'm asking what about to those people who has passed on and then they, they, have been, they have been saving the money before. So are they also forfeiting that money or what is happening? And then the last one is, what is the consequences that is being taken to the HRs who did not do their work? in order that the employees must not get their, their money. So what was the steps that have been taken for those people? 
for the HRs who didn't do their work and the employees re, uh, resulting in forfeiting their money. Thank you very much, Honorable Chairman. Honorable Manelli, take the floor. Chairperson, I think I, I would like to to remain with my with my video off, uh, and also greet Chairperson, uh, honourable members uh, of the committee, Deputy Minister, and and everybody in the meeting. Uh, in as much as Chairperson, we we got the report. Uh, both reports probably we need also to start by acknowledging them. And uh, as a positive note, in terms of the, the the transformed organization of the board, yeah, yeah, James, also acknowledge the issue of uh, the balance in the gender there. Probably with the note that the previous speaker alluded to the issue of the disability, can you also be clarified as to why is it not covered or if it is covered? Uh, Chairperson, coming to my questions then, Chair. I think when, in terms of the housing scheme, can we be told that uh, since they are unable to verify withdrawals on individual link saving facilities, as they are submitted directly to the National Treasury, uh, how do they plan to resolve the lynch chairperson. Uh, also, since the department does not at the moment comply with the financial sector conduct authority regulations regarding mortgage organization, how is the department going to address this situation? And also if GHS will register to comply with the financial sector conduct authority, will it not be encroaching into the banking sector? Uh, the banking sector's area of operation. Ben Chaperson, when it comes to to gems, uh, I think um, honourable members have covered all other matters that are. I needed to speak on. So in terms of us not repeating questions, I will say, Chair, I'm covered when it comes to gems. Thank you, Chairperson. Honorable Gondwe. Yeah, Leboha Chairperson. Um, Chairperson, I have a number of questions and, and let me start by welcoming the presentations. Um, I have another a number of questions for James and just one question um, for the DPSA regarding the housing scheme. Um, with respect to James, in slide four, they provide that a response plan was put together, put together to address the interim findings that warranted or merited action. And I wanted to find out which um, which of the interim, you know, findings, you know, that were contained in the interim report did not merit or warrant action because my take is that um, an investigative report, whatever findings are contained in that investigative report, all of them merit or warrant some uh, sort of action. 
Um, and um, the second question pertains to slide five, which states that, uh, you know, uh, James has has adopted an open door policy um, and the policy has resulted in engagements between the scheme and health providers and these engagements are continuing. And I wanted to know whether these um, engagements would come to an end or whether this would be a continuous thing, because I think it's very important that uh, you know, they be continuous engagements between the scheme and, and the service provider to ensure that there's no misunderstanding or miscommunication when it comes to, you know, um, how the scheme operates. Um, and then um, in slide 10, um, they indicate that the complaints or allegations leveled against the scheme by service providers, um, you know, they outlined what those complaints or, or allegations were and how the scheme has been able to uh, respond to some of these complaints or allegations. And I'm particularly interested in the first and the second complaint. Um, in the first complaint in that slide, which was a complaint against the aggressive, impersonal and threatening nature of communication. Um, and how the scheme is, is, has responded to that is that um, they no longer... Um, um, you know, subject um, claims to investigation or, you know, and correspondence doesn't make um, reference to um, investigations. It, it just says that the, the claim is under review. And I wanted to know whether, you know, it's one thing to change the terminology of, of how you're going to deal with a claim or a, you, um, uh, from a service provider, but are you not calling it an investigation, but you're still treating it as an investigation? Because it's very important that you, when you use terminology, terminology speaks to how you would treat something. So I think that my question is simply this. In now not, um, you know, informing service product providers that claims are now, um, you know, subject to investigation but are under review, are you then, you know, treating such claims as, as not being under investigation and under review? Because the methods in which you deal um, with those claims have to speak to um, the manner in which you claim to, you know, you state you're going to address, you know, uh, uh, those claims. Um, and then um, coming to the second complaint, which related to the scheme using a blanket approach in consideration of, of cases. And, and, and the scheme indicates that they've, you know, responded to that particular allegation or complaint um, by considering each case on its merits. And I wanted to know how it does that um, now and how it's able to use this, this tailored um, approach and whether human intervention is also involved in terms of, of, of you know, of, of this, um, you know, uh, revised approach to, uh, to dealing with, with claims and moving away from a one-size-fits-all or a blanket approach. Now, my question to, to DPSA is one, as I indicated, um, my question is around the 700 million that is forfeited by employees due to non-compliance with PSCBC Resolution 7 of 2015. Um, I wanted to find out what constitutes non-compliance and, and what, what sort of action would necessitate that um, um, you know, uh, employees forfeit um, whatever contributions they're making. I'm, I'm worried because... Um, there's a resolution that penalizes employees in this regard and results in them forfeiting what is clearly their heard, you know, their hard-earned monies and contributions. But I also welcome that research will be conducted on the effective use of the forfeited funds to the benefit of employees. And I'm also comf comforted by the fact that employees who forfeit their money um, through no fault of their own, through uh, the, the fault of HR processes, 
were identified and there's a process underway to look into paying them out. And I wanted to know um, how soon will they be paid out and, and, and how were they identified? Thank you very much, Chairperson. Thank you, honorable members. Um, I, I'm, I'm now going to allow uh, responses to, to the questions that were raised, uh, starting with the... Oh, you were out. Yes, Chair, I've been in and out, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry if... Okay, there no, no, I've seen that. I, I, I will allow you, Honorable Mkweba, to, to, to uh, put your questions, because uh, much, I, I could see that you are in and out. No, thank you very much, Chair, and... Um, uh, good morning, uh, honourable members and uh, colleagues. Chair, uh, you will bear with me if I then um, repeat what have been asked by honourable members because I was in and out. I don't know today there's a network problem in the area where I reside in Gauteng. But uh, let me welcome the two presentations from James and also from the DPSA. And I've got only a few questions, uh, Chair if I, I, I don't repeat what have been asked by honorable members, but what is important, Chair, is that um, from the, the, the GEMS, uh, I know that the medical schemes uh, are meant to protect the interest of members at all times, and as such, also to improve governments, governance of schemes that members and consumers are adequately protected, and it has been touched by the the, 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 or highlighted by the advocate and Toby report as well. But uh, I know that, uh, Chair, with regard to GEMS, uh, especially the, the Section 59 response plan that has been developed and implemented, highlighted in slide 11 in the presentation uh, uh, from uh, GEMS, uh, chair, but uh, my question then to I want to understand to James if then uh, what has been presented at slide 11 were all stakeholders consulted in terms of developing the response plan for section 59 report and uh, if yes how will then James minimize an abuse of the implementation of section 59 of the act and uh, the second issue chair I know that uh, there is a column where there's a, a progress update and of which that spoke about fraud and uh, wastage and abuse. I want to understand also to, to, to James if what has been uh, done in fact to strengthen their system in order to avoid James members and health uh, providers to collude in commuting uh, fraud and uh, wastage and abuse. And lastly, Chair, my question will be then on the DPSA, especially the GEHS. I understand there's an, a, a slide that spoke about um, them unable to verify withdrawals on the individual linked savings facility as they submit they are submitted directly to the National Treasury. How does uh, the, 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 the GEHS plan to resolve 
that challenge, Chair. I think those are the three questions, Chair, that I wanted to raise, irrespective of myself in and out, uh, going in and out of this meeting, Chair, because of the network. Thank you very much. Thank you. Can I now allow um, for response to questions asked by honorable members? Chairperson, uh, it's Stan Mulavi from James. Should I go first? Yes, yes, you can. Thank you very much, uh, Chair. Uh, Chair, the, the, the first question uh, was from Honor, Honorable Ntuli. Uh, if uh, the, the question was, can James tell what is it that was lacking that led to inequality? Uh, could it be that, and this is how I understood the questions, uh, could it be that the health providers did not have the same bro uh, 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 background and uh, maybe that may have led to them being treated differently. So, the, and I need to explain this chairperson that uh, we still, we did, there, there is no way where we say at GEMS, and we have said in responding to the interim report, what we want to do at the Government Employees Medical Scheme is not to try and be defensive and say, no, we, we wanted to look at this as objectively. And they said, where can we, what is it that is identified in the interim report? And I keep on stressing that this was an interim report and this will become relevant when I answer other later questions. Uh, that what are the things that have been picked up that we can immediately start saying, probably we are not doing it in the best way, but uh, uh, how can we improve? So um, when claims are submitted to the scheme, all claims are treated the same because we do not say uh, this one comes from this type of uh, provider. It's practice numbers that are used to, uh, to, 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 uh, to, uh, to pay claims. However, the healthcare providers who raise these things Maybe they were experiencing these things in various forms. No, it may not necessarily be from gems. And what that's another point in our response. We said uh, the the it the 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 feedback was that gems, and then it mentions other two uh, providers uh, uh, to say that these were found to have had bias against the providers. So there was no intent, and I, I made this point. However, we said. What is it that is that is coming out of the report that we need to look at? So what we, uh, when it comes to the training of the doctors, I, I cannot answer that that could have influenced. Doctors are trained by medical school, school, medical school to become clinicians. But, and this is also mentioned somewhere, one of the things that we have engaged with the doctors is to, when they become a, practitioners in private practice there is another skill that we also are and our 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 we also assist them with which is practice management and claiming from medical schemes is not taught at medical school but what we do once you become 
part of our provider network and we have what we call a provider relationships uh, unit where we constantly meet with the doctors and we talk to them about the issues of training, of, of claiming. So this is something that you learn when you are in practice and I hope that then answers that question of whether there is a standard of training. And then the, uh, the next question is, after the complaints, does James have a yardstick to ask, uh, uh, the, uh, to check uh, the status of fair, treatment, fair treatment? I reiterate again that at James, we treat all healthcare providers the same. We, we have a responsibility in terms of the constitution of this country. We cannot uh, uh, be seen to. So in the, in the processes and the systems that they were being used uh, to identify the outliers, what happens is that a lot of healthcare providers that see GEMS members happen to be black uh, healthcare providers. So sometimes naturally what will come is that the majority of the numbers maybe who are being investigated, they happen to be black. And the report did say there is no intent. However, they show bias. They show bias in the outcome, but there is no proof of intent to racially profile. And that, that is the thing. If you look at the summary at the end of the interim report, that's actually what it says. It talks about confounding factors as well. So I think we need to understand the interim report in that context of saying, while the bias could be shown by the outcomes, there is nobody who was intentionally doing anything. And that is stressed. It, it is really what advocate Toby and the panel were saying. The next question um, from Honorable Ntuli was that, can GEMS tell the specific parts uh, uh, that have been improved? And in the presentation, we did talk about this. We went to look at the policies, the processes, the SOPs. And then we said, is there anything in the standard operating procedures whether it be the algorithms that are system driven, we went to look the, the, the other uh, uh, process is whistleblowers. We checked all of these things and compared against the interim findings to say, what is it that we, we can improve? So in general, we looked at all of this and we, we checked against the interim findings and said, what is it that, can, that is in the interim finding that could, we could improve? So it was a general approach of improving overall based on reading the interim uh, 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 report. And I have alluded to that uh, in the presentation. Then uh, Honorable, Honorable Kibi. Uh, so the question was that whether there was a situation where we found that there were definitely uh, 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 racial bias. And I, I again uh, indicate that uh, our processes were such that we don't say Dr. Sten or uh, Dr. So, uh, Joe or Dr. Cindy so is of which uh, uh, color or creed. Claims uh, processing is based on practice numbers and we did submit this to the investigation. The biggest problem always came with the fact that when it was checked who is under investigation, it was found that from all from the medical schemes industry in general, it seems to be that more of the black 
doctors are the ones who are being investigated. So that is when advocate says the outcome shows bias. However, there is no evidence of intent. So that is what, what, I, what I keep on saying. And we, we basically did not go and argue and say anything. We said, oh, if it says that, what is it that we can do to try to show that we deal with these things that are being raised? And that is the important thing. The next question from Honorable Kibi was that, what is the turnaround time of payment of healthcare professionals? 95% plus, 95 point something uh, percent of claims are paid within 30 days. Of healthcare professionals are paid within 30 days. The plus minus 5%, that is not paid within 30 days. It's usually those claims that have got some queries where you find that there are certain things that need to be clarified. And then most of the claims will then be paid in the next, within the next 30 days, which means most of the claims that are valid are paid within 60 days. But the majority, more than 95%, are paid within 30 days. And the, the requirement by the Act anyway is that we should pay claims except for those that may have queries within 30 days and we, we comply largely while uh, to that while some may have queries that need to be uh, found out to be paid the next question then is did gems reprimand the officials found to be racially biased against black health care professionals no official was found to be uh, racially biased against healthcare professionals. I explain again, uh, Chairperson, that the report found that in the processes that are undertaken by these, uh, by the industry and the three uh, gems was mentioned with the other two entities, uh, that uh, racial bias was found in the processes, uh, in the outcome of the processes. However, no intent was uh, was indicated. And uh, I, I, I keep on referring to this because this is very important. So as a result, uh, Honorable Kibi, there is nobody who needed to be uh, reprimanded. Honorable Motsipe then asked, does the board have persons with disabilities? Chairperson, allow me to briefly uh, explain how the board of GEMS is chosen. Uh, the Board of Trustees of the Government Employees Medical Scheme is made up of 12 individuals. Six of those individuals are uh, appointed by the Minister of the Department of Public Service and Administration, who is the employer uh, and uh, the principal. Uh, we refer to the, 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 the Minister uh, and the DM, the DM uh, taking care of the portfolio is our principal. Uh, they choose uh, based on the scheme rules and the provisions of the act which, which require that people who are appointed must have certain skills. And these skills are actually specified in the scheme rules. So that, so that the, 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 then half of the board, which is six, is appointed by the, 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 the minister. Uh, and as I indicated in this case, that is delegated to our uh, deputy minister who's taking care of the portfolio. 
and uh, then the other six are elected by the members of the scheme in an election process. And uh, the term of office is also specified in the scheme rules uh, for all the board members. Uh, and uh, this is uh, when, so the board adheres to all these provisions of the scheme rules, which are aligned to the provisions of the Medical Schemes Act. And that is how the board is chosen. So uh, it is very difficult to can, uh, unless the members, the members are, uh, so that, 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 that maybe I should put it that, that is how the board is chosen and I hope it answers how the board is constituted. And then uh, Honorable Mosepe then uh, also spoke about the allegation that uh, pharmacists reduce the tablets in the in the in that are given to members. It's a very difficult one for us, and it refers exactly to what this issue of fraud, waste, and abuse is all about. If uh, that is the case, this, that uh, that that uh, Honorable Mosepe was talking about, so. We try our best to ensure that, as I indicated, one of our responses to fraud, waste, and abuse is education of our members. So, it, so if that is a problem that arises, then the issue of checking, whenever one collects medication to say, check my medication, is, it's very important. The, the, you requested, uh, Honorable Mutsipe, that the scheme should investigate this. This type of things can only, it's only when members show evidence with the scheme that this happens, that the scheme will assist and engage with the pharmacist. So it's those areas where there has to be collaboration between the member and the medical scheme because we don't know what happens out there. That is why I, people often ask me, why is there, what, what is the reason why there's fraud, waste, and abuse? And I say, it's because we are a third party payer. A person receives the service, a claim is received by us and we pay it on trust. If you go to the supermarket to buy a loaf of brown bread and pay five rand for it, you see the loaf of brown bread. In our case, because we are a third party payer, we rely on the claim. We haven't seen what our members have received. And only if our members inform us that with proof that we did not receive a service, can we do something? And that is why there's this fraud, waste, and abuse that can happen. The next question was that GEMS had more than a million members. What happened to those who have left? Uh, Honorable Motsipe GEMS, I can assure you, has not lost members. Uh, I, maybe there was a misunderstanding somewhere. GEMS has over 770 principal members, uh, 770,000 uh, principal members, which are the employees and pensioners of the pub, uh, who were employed in terms of the Public Service Act. And we are the scheme that continues to grow. Those uh, uh, with 700, in all in all, we have over 2 million beneficiaries so we cover the health of over 2 million beneficiaries. In the past two years, and particularly in 2020, when COVID was at its peak, GEMS was the only big, among the largest medical schemes, 
that grew. We grew by about 70,000 uh, uh, beneficiaries, 70,000. It is the only big medical scheme that grew. The industry actually lost members during that period. So uh, I may, I, 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 uh, we are actually continuing to grow as we speak at the moment, uh, d- despite the, that the economy is putting a lot of pressure on everybody in the country. Uh, so uh, I just wanted to clarify that there is nothing that we haven't lost members. The, we only went through a period around 2016 where we had a dip, but since then we've been growing. Honorable uh, Manelli indicated that all her, uh, her questions uh, were answered, were covered. Honorable Gondwe, uh, uh, slide four. Uh, why do we have those that we say are findings that are warranted, are, are warrant to be responded to those that have merit? What do we actually mean? Can I just that let me again restate that? Yes, as you indicated, Honorable Gonde, this was an inquisitory uh, 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 panel. The, the Section 49 was an inquisitive uh, uh, investigation. So what happens is we have an interim report. As I indicated at the beginning of the presentation, we then were given a chance to respond to these interim findings. We await the final report and we don't know whether the panel may change some of those after they consider our responses. So when we say that there may be some that weren't merit, we basically are saying that you may find that we have addressed uh, some of the questions uh, that were being asked that led to some of those interim findings and they may change. And then when we will study the report and then accordingly respond. However, as advised by Advocate Ngatovi, we immediately started looking at this report and say, what are the issues that are being raised here? And we started dealing with them. So that is what we mean. So then the next question is, James uh, referred to uh, an open door policy. And the question was that, will these engagements come to an end or will they continue? We actually have, we even before the section of, uh, 59, we already had what we call a provider relations unit, which is headed by a senior manager and all of us are engaged. We engage with the healthcare provider all the time. Uh, in fact, we have been doing this since uh, James was established. However, what we basically found out with this complaints was that despite the fact that we have, we meet with whether it is all these advocacy groups, so let me not mention their names, I may leave out some of them, but we meet with all of them regularly and we continue. We have a, Every year we have a schedule of meeting with the healthcare providers. But what then happened is that there were those who had complaints and we had to address these complaints, these complaints that we had listed in the presentation. So what we basically meant was that Outside even the job, the work that we're already doing and that we continue to do, we had to have an extra effort to address some of these complaints. So that's what we really meant. But yes, 
they, 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 for as long as we exist as GEMS, we will continue because they, they we will continue to meet with the healthcare providers because they see the members of GEMS who are their patients. And then uh, in dealing with uh, the com slide 10 complaints against the scheme, the, we, we needed to state the complaints as they came out. So the question was, why is it that we are changing uh, terminology? Could it not, for instance, when you say we are no more using investigation in our terminology. Now, I need to explain that this is important. I'll be brief, Chair. When you say we've got an investigations unit, immediately people say we have referred you to the investigations unit and then it investigates fraud. People start saying, oh, it means they think I'm a fraud. I may be a fraud until I prove that I'm not. So what we, we, we applied our minds to that in terms of what the healthcare providers were saying. They're saying, when you say you're investigating me for fraud, it immediately taints me as a healthcare provider. So rather, we then said, okay, let's use a terminology that does not insinuate. While at the end of the day, we are still doing the same thing. So for instance, instead of saying it's a fraud unit, we say it's a claims risk unit. It lands better than when we use, we are investigating you. And that was really the intent. But the outcome based on evidence at the end of the day will be directed by policy and law and all of those things. So that is the intent of, and the, the report also suggested uh, that. And then the, 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 the blanket approach, the revised approach was basically saying, we restating the fact that we don't say healthcare professionals in general uh, defraud the medical schemes. That is not, that's not the case. The majority, the, in fact, the overwhelming majority of healthcare professionals are doing an honest job claiming properly against. There is a small, uh, very small percentage of those who take chances, defraud, and do all, and then unfortunately, that uh, because it's a wrong uh, uh, activity, it gets attention. The last questions, uh, Chairperson, were from Honorable Mgueva, uh, where uh, slide 11 talks to the uh, governance of medical schemes and always acting in the best interest uh, of the scheme. And the question was, were all stakeholders consulted when we came up with a response plan? And the answer is, we, we draw these plans and then yes, uh, we, we talk to and present and report and take counsel from our principal, which is uh, the ministry, and in this case, the DM uh, gives us counsel. We present what we intend doing and then we get counsel. So, and then we also, GEMS is a product of the PSCBC, a PSCBC and a cabinet decision. We consult extensively at the Public Service Bargaining Council. Actually, we have what we call a GEMS PSCBC Joint Working Committee, which always addresses the issues and we present the work that we do. We report regularly at this uh, forum. Uh, the last question, uh, Chairperson, was what has been done to strengthen the GEMS system so that fraud, waste, and abuse does not recur? And I think in the presentation, I did allude to this to say what we have done is that we have looked at the systems, those ones, uh, the, the ones that do the algorithms, 
now people are talking about artificial intelligence. These are the ones that do claims trend analysis. And then we look at that. And then what I said in that slide, I indicated that we have now allocated senior GEMS officers who have got the expertise to analyze the out, what comes out of these systems. There is a slide actually that alludes to that. And then I also indicated that we looked at the policies uh, and the processes and our SOPs have been revised, taking into consideration the things that were said in the ITARUM report. Thank you, Chairperson. Thank you. Can I now invite the department? Uh, thank you, Chairperson. Um, I will actually give the opportunity to uh, government employee uh, housing scheme uh, to respond to the questions that have been put forward by the uh, members of uh, parliament. Uh, but just as an, an addition to what um, Dr. Mulabi has just uh, responded to in terms of germs is that we have actually um, taken into consideration all the concerns that have been expressed. We will continue to monitor uh, the discriminatory uh, practices uh, that have actually been unearthed through the Section 59 Inquiry Interim Report. Uh, the inequalities and discriminatory practices that still exist within the scheme, uh, we will also continue to um, monitor, we will con uh, continue to monitor the procurement uh, and financial control management system of the scheme, the claims, we will continue to look at personnel in terms of skills and expertise. Um, when it comes to appointments, uh, the representativity thereof, thereof gender representation, youth, disability, including vetting, because ethical issues is one of the things that always needs to be taken into consideration uh, whenever we have to appoint so that we can uh, try and nip anything that can be corrupt practices of the future in the bud. Um, maybe when you we talk about the outcomes uh, and say that the outcomes show bias uh, in terms of the report, um, However, there's no evidence of intent. And I, I do understand the sentiments that have been expressed. Maybe it's, it's about us saying that the outcomes shows bias with hidden intent. And in that way, it will actually help, help us to manage to actively work on this in a way that uh, there isn't really going to be any uh, discriminatory practices that are actually going to be taking place. It will be a chairperson, a sad day that Black people experience oppression under our gut. Um, taking into consideration that Black medical practitioners find it difficult to thrive in this industry, most of whom have already committed suicide. And maybe these are some of the things we need to de develop interest in to want to have the statistics so that when we talk about these things, we understand their implication and understanding our role within um, the state, uh, the kind of difference we need to make in the lives of uh, South Africans um, at all levels. And one other thing is that um, when it comes to uh, bargaining, uh, especially for medical practitioners, we must consider that um, they are not actually represented at the bargaining counseling, uh, the, the PSCBC. And, and this is why, therefore, sometimes you're going to find that issues that affect them directly 
are going to be uh, left out. So basically, um, for all intents and purposes, uh, Chairperson, what we are saying is that we do hear the sentiment of the portfolio committee. Uh, it is in our interest to get the scheme running properly in a way that is representative of all who participate in it and all the beneficiaries of the scheme. Uh, thank you, Chairperson. Let me take the opportunity uh, of giving GEHS um, the platform so that they can actually manage to respond uh, to the questions from the members, members of parliament. But also when it comes to G- GHS, in terms of um, forfeited funds, I think we need to look at it from the perspective of the public service regulations um, because uh, we have public service uh, policies uh, that makes employees to forfeit benefits under certain circumstances like being found guilty of fraud and corruption. And these are measures that sometimes are actually utilized in public service to utilize this for feature or these for features as a deterrent so that we try and limit uh, corruption within public service. Over to uh, you, DJ. Thank you, Deputy Minister. Um, Chairperson, I have two colleagues who are with GHS in the department who are in the meeting. Ms. Kelim Konto, as well as uh, Dumisani, who presented. I'm going to ask them to answer the questions, and then I'll come back and close any gaps that uh, uh, the, some of the questions they may have left out. Uh, Kelly, uh, would you like to start answering questions that you can answer? Okay. Um, thank you, DG, and um, good morning, um, Chairperson and Honourable Members. Um, Yes, I'll answer some of the questions, and um, actually most of the uh, questions asked. The, um, I noticed that most of the honorable members asked the same question, you know, around the, um, the forfeited funds and, and also the old housing allowance. So the, um, the, um, around the forfeited funds, you know, this is governed by a resolution that was, um, assigned by both government and labor. So labor agreed to some of the conditions that were put on the um, PSCBC resolution 7 of 2015. And one of them is that if an employee um, resigns um, or maybe the employee is dismissed, they will forfeit the funds. You must also bear in mind that the sole purpose of introducing the ILSF, the savings, was to encourage government employees to buy uh, houses. So it was to promote home ownership because people were getting the 900, but the money would go into PESAL and, you know, it becomes part of the budget and they end up really not um, utilizing it to actually um, pay or buy houses. So they introduced this um, culture of, of savings in the public service And since they introduced it, a number of government employees are now able to access their savings and and buy um, their houses. So now in terms of the first question of those who passed on, when they introduced this in 2015, employees were encouraged to register. You have to apply for your housing allowance. You don't, it's not not an automatic benefit. So when on onboarding by the HR practitioners in, in departments, the employees are encouraged to fill in the forms and also enroll 
um, on the GHS system. So we have found that, um, and in fairness to the employees, really, um, that the HR practitioners um, are not actually um, educating the employees properly. And in terms of onboarding, they don't assist them in filling in the forms, um, applying for the housing allowance, and also enrolling on the GHS system. So you will find that those who are getting the 900, they continued getting the 900, but they did not apply when the resolution was signed in 2015. So they'll continue getting the 900 and they are now losing out on the savings because you see the housing allowance increases at um, CPI uh, uh, every uh, annually. So they're losing out on the increase. The 900, will co- they'll continue getting the 900 but they're not saving the difference. Now the um, housing allowance has increased to 1,500. So the 600 rands is not saved because they are not aware of this added benefit. Or maybe there's also elements of lethargy. They've just failed, we've been receiving this 900 and we just do not want to, we are not interested in continuing. It's a problem because later they may want to really just access their savings and they'll find that, you know, they have not been, um, properly educated around um, the savings. So those who joined the public service after 2015, the full amount, the full 1,500 is, is saved for them. And when they are ready to buy houses, they access the full um, uh, 1,500. But those who've been receiving the 900 will receive and save the, the difference uh, between the two. And I I looked at the questions most of the honorable members really asked around um, the, um, the, the, the 900 rands and why um, um, ep, ep, ep officials still continue. And I need to also indicate that we are also on a roadshow to educate employees because we have actually identified this as, as a problem. Um, and HR employees, others are new employees. They are not aware of these resolutions that were signed. So we've taken it upon ourselves to go on a roadshow now. Um, uh, we go to provinces and we also have online education with government departments, educating them around the importance of ap- applying and also enrolling their, their employees. Now, the other question was, what happens to the funds of those who have passed on? Um, we have issued circulars and um, departments have responded. And those who have actually applied and submitted all the necessary documents in terms of their beneficiaries, uh, people who are supposed to benefit from um, the um, the passing on of the um, of, of of an employee, and necessary documents are submitted to HR departments, and we trying to correct um, that anomaly of really not enrolling the employees and not. Uh, some of the um, employees, it's not due to the fault of their own because they were never really educated around this. So we cannot penalize them uh, in terms of accessing their savings. And we agree that these savings belong to them. They are rightfully theirs. It's only those who have been dismissed um, or maybe um, resigned from the public service who forfeit the, um, the funds. And um, around the issue of us being um, not being able to verify the um, ILSF 
ILSF withdrawals. I think the DG spoke to it earlier on in terms of the um, the decisions that we have now taken in terms of the institutional form of GHS. Um, as soon as all those things are addressed, we'll be able to attend to just a number of of the areas that we are unable to to address, and also the issue of mortgage origination, we are unable to do that. Um, Honourable Member asked that, you know, what will happen to the uh, functions of the banks, because some of the um, requirements, you know, require us to be registered. It's not only the banks, but if you are in the good standing and you qualify for that registration, you'll be able to do mortgage origination and you'll be able to cancel and assist with the rehabilitation of those that are indebted. So these issues will be uh, properly addressed as soon as we finalize issues around the institutional form of CHS. Um, I think I've covered most of the um, of the questions because in the, in the main most of the questions were just around the nine hundred and what happens to the um, the forfeited funds. Thank you, teacher. Thank you, Kelly. Thank you. Oh. Uh, thanks. Uh, thank you, DG. There is a question from Honourable Kibi around the issue of the service provider to undertake research regarding uh, forfeited funds or the savings. Uh, uh, in, in brief response, um, the, the, there will be a process internally in the department to deal with that. And once uh, uh, processes are concluded, uh, we'll, of course, update uh, the committee. There is also a question, uh, uh, Mr. Chairperson, that was uh, asked by Honorable Dr. Gondwe. Uh, regarding how soon will payments be effected for those who exited. I need to indicate that the Director General has already signed off uh, uh, processes uh, for such payments to be effected. We're just waiting the other arm, uh, that is the National Treasury, uh, to finalize their processes uh, from their side so that payments can be effected. Thank you, uh, Chair, and thank you, DG. I think the one question that has not been attended to, I'd like to attend, is the one around um, compliance with the Financial Sector Conduct Authority. Won't we be encroaching on banking sector um, areas of operation if we if 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 we comply? Um, what I want to highlight here, Chair, is that currently the work for government employee housing scheme is done within the department. There is a chief directorate within the department that's doing the work. And um, the, 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 the home loans issues are managed via the contract with the South African Home Loans, which was signed some years ago. So at this stage of our operations, we are not required to to meet any requirements of the Financial uh, Conduct Authority uh, as the DPSA uh, because of the level of engagement. However, uh, there is the talk about uh, GEHS being a standalone entity, which is um, an issue that I reported on on earlier on that we are working on that with Treasury and other related parties. And once that kicks in, and there is an expectation that uh, that standalone entity will also be introducing various packages uh, of home loans 
for employees in the public service because labor has indicated that they don't want this work to be outsourced to financial sector institutions, but they want government to be uh, responsible because once you outsource to banks and et cetera, like the home loans currently, uh, then there is a cost to it and uh, it becomes unaffordable to employees. This is according to uh, submissions that have been done by labor to the department. So when in the formation stages of the entity and when we reach that stage, we will deal with the issues around uh, how uh, such an entity relates to the financial uh, conduct issues to the financial sector and what responsibilities it takes and what responsibilities it doesn't take. Um, and uh, lots of consultations with Treasury as well around uh, that particular approach um, are going to be necessary. So at this stage, we are not in non-compliance of anything, but um, in future, if we move into an entity and there are um, a financial conduct authority issues that we have to deal with. Certainly, there must be compliance in, in respect to those issues. I just wanted to clarify that. I think that there's a question to Misani that was not answered, and I would like you to answer it. It's around the inability to verify withdrawals. How are we going to resolve this issue? This question came from two members, I think, Honorable Mkweba and Honorable Manelli, uh, I, 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 unless I missed it, I didn't hear you colleagues answering it. I think uh, maybe please give it a shot and just answer it. Um, thanks, uh, DG. Uh, respectfully, Kelly did uh, respond to oh, this uh, question by it. Honorable Mkweba okay. and uh, Honorable Manelli. Yes. Uh, maybe she can just uh, summarize quickly again, Kelly. It's fine. And um, I think if, if it has been responded to oh, through you, Chairperson, uh, can we take it that we have responded? I agree, Dan. Thanks. Thank you, Honorable Members. Now we go to the last agenda item, which is the report of the oversight. Uh, can Mr. Nwepe deal with that? Oh, thanks, Chairperson. Uh, uh, let me project the report. Okay, uh, um, uh, good morning, Chair, and honorable, honorable members and colleagues, and uh, uh, good morning, greetings to the Minister. Honorable Chair, uh, the Portfolio Committee, as you are aware, we are all aware that we undertook an oversight uh, to Houting on the 19th, uh, 22 uh, of April. Uh, 2022, uh, we have compiled the report that we are presenting here before the committee. I won't dwell uh, much in terms of reading uh, weight by weight uh, uh, from the document, but uh, the main purpose of the oversight was to 
to, to visit, to conduct an oversight visit to the office of the Premier in Gauteng to discuss the state of the province concerning the administration and governance matters uh, with, uh, with a focus on service delivery improvement pla uh, plans, uh, the tuition service centers, payment of service providers within 30 days, and frontline service delivery uh, facilities. And then we have conducted unannounced and unannounced uh, visit uh, to hospitals and then uh, home affairs. And then uh, and then on uh, after that, then on uh, on the, the public service commission as well were invited uh, to this oversight. They provided a report uh, called the state of the public service in the province, uh, together with the workshop that we attended on the last day. Uh, Chair, I will just browse page by page. If members, because today's report has been circulated. Uh, Timeously, uh, the members will shout uh, if there's anything that will, they would like to correct on the report uh, that we are presenting here, so that uh, uh, I will only start uh, going weight uh, by weight when we go to the recommendations and uh, and, the, and the observation. Sorry, Honourable Chair. Can we just... Honourable Yes, uh, uh, it's it's very small. Can it be enlarged, please, Chair? Namben nyamelesele nje and boni up. Oh, okay. Let me try to enlarge it. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, I will, will strain your eyes. Trying to get the future for enlarging you. Uh, to uh, Yes, it's, it's normally on the on the bottom right corner yeah. of the web document. Yeah, just that my my the computer is okay. I got it. Yeah, I want yeah, that minus and plus. Uh, yeah. thing is okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Here, here is the report, uh, honourable members. Uh, I've enlarged. I think now it's uh, more clear and visible. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so members, uh, as I've uh, requested that, um, uh, I'll just go page by page, slowly page by page, and then if there's anything that you, you have noted, uh, just uh, raise uh, through the chairperson so that we can either correct it or, or maybe put it on hold up until we uh, the committee consider or adopt the report. So this is a page one, honorable member. Uh, And now page two. This is the delegation uh, that uh, attended the entire oversight. Including the officials from the department and the office of the premier. And this is where then the, the 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 main oversight started. Where we started with the meet, meeting uh, with the of, uh, with the uh, housing office of the premier. Uh, it was a boardroom meeting for the day, for the whole day. 
page four. And page five, eight, six, uh, and page seven. And page eight, nine, page ten, page eleven. Page 12, 18, page 14, page 15, Page 17, page 19, page 20. Page twenty two, page twenty three, twenty four, twenty five, and this is. Uh, the workshop that we attended on the last day uh, for Public Service Commission. Okay. Uh, Honorable Chair, then now I can go through the observations and key findings. Uh, uh, I don't know if members will also want me to read or should I then uh, zoom straight into the recommendations because I believe members there have read them. Okay. I, I think let, let's go to, to recommendations. Okay. Chair. Honorable Chair. Uh, Honorable Kibi. Yeah, um, I just want to request the Honorable Chair for the benefit of those that were not part of the oversight. 
why can't we start with the observations and then go to the um, okay yes. no i'm i'm I'm, okay. I'm also amenable to that uh, honorable tv Sorry, okay, chair. okay. Sorry, Chair. I just want to confirm if we should continue to be in this meeting as the department. Sorry. I should have released you. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Chair. I should Thank have you. released you. Uh, sorry for that. Thank you, okay. Chair. Thank you, Chair. We will but Chair, through you, but Chair, through you, we, we are together with the department. What do we, we've observed there as the portfolio committee, I'm sure they should be aware of as well. But anyway, if they feel like uh, leaving, that's fine. Let's release them because they want to leave. Anyway, it's, it's, it's us who are playing oversight over them. Yeah. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Chair. We are Chepesi. My bad morning is this teacher. Bye bye. Hello. 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 <laughs> okay, okay, uh, Chair and Honorable Members. Uh, okay, I will start with the 5.1 uh, observation and key findings. Uh, the committee appreciated a, a warm welcome by the Office of the Premier and the presence of all heads of the departments in the province. And all the HOD participated during the first day meeting to discuss the 30 pay, uh, payment of invoices disciplinary cases, service delivery improvement plans, uh, tuition service centers, and service inspection report by the Provincial Public Service Commission. Uh, with regard to 5.2, the committee emphasized the importance of the Office of the Premier in strengthening coherent planning, coordination, and monitoring performance of the provincial departments in delivering services to the citizens. And then we, uh, in terms of the heading, uh, uh, the observations are mainly on the disciplinary cases. Uh, 5.3, we then said the provincial departments are not meeting time frames in finalizing uh, disciplinary cases. And this cost government billions of rent, whilst employees are suspended with full pay. There was no uniformity among departments in approaching disciplinary cases. Some departments are using external legal practitioners whereas others are using uh, internal labor relation officers. And this has been flagged as contributors to time lag in finalizing the disciplinary cases within 60 to 90 days. And then 5.4, the disciplinary cases are not loaded on the personal system as a mandatory requirement of the Public Service Regulation 2016. And then with regard to the 5.5, uh, there is a need to reduce the red tape in approving submission related to the disciplinary cases. And when, uh, uh, with regard to the 30-day payment to service providers, 
the committee found that the Department of Health and the Department of Infrastructure and Property Development have the highest backlog of the invoices paid after 30 days, and regression of both departments contributed to the substantial provincial decline of 28% in performance. And both departments owe 3 billion on unpaid invoices. And then with regard to 5.7, there is a lack of consequence management for non-compliance with 30 days payment. And the province has to urgently attend to duplicate payments, payment delays, and inaccurate accruals of the identified departments. And then 5.9, the failure to pay service provider on time impacts negatively on the service delivery. And the committee applauded the province for establishing war rooms to deal with outstanding invoices to service providers. And then with regard to service delivery improvement plans, the, the committee found that uh, the, com uh, the committee took note of progressive submissions rate and compliance with the SDIPs. However, it was concerned about non-compliance by the Department of Health and the Department of Roads and Transport. And the committee noted the reason for non-compliance as both departments uh, changed the champions responsible for SDIP. However, compliance is still expected. And then with regard to 5.11, uh, the committee noted that some departments were not prioritizing the SDIPs as part of the business process to enhance service delivery. Officials de deployed um, as champions of SDIP, particularly at the Department of Health and of Roads and Transport should ensure they comply with the submission of the SDIP timelessly. And uh, with regard to 5.12, um, there were some inconsistencies in developing credible and effective reporting and realistic SDIPs and their submission by the DPSA. This happened as a result of lack of monitoring of the SDIP by the, by the DPSA. And then 5.11, the committee was concerned about the SDIP reports being used for malicious compliance uh, without necessarily seeking to realize sustainable and meaningful improved service delivery. And the SDIP submit, submitted are disintegrated from the strategic planning process of departments. And then with regard to tuition service centers, uh, honorable members, um, the committee noted with dissatisfaction that some tuition service centers around the province have been changed to service shared centers under the municipalities due to inadequate funding. And the committee advised that having more departments in one-stop center would be beneficial for the community and would add value in enhancing service delivery and improving quality of life. Uh, 5.15, of all tuition service centers in the Houghton province, only two have center managers. And then uh, with 5.16, uh, responsible departments, DPSA, COCTA, GCA, GCAIS, have to conclude the reconfiguration or repositioning process in earnest in order to bring service closer to the people. The committee was dissatisfied with the slow pace in the repositioning of the tuition service centers. And then 5.17, funding and lack of connectivity are the main major impediments towards the success of the noble idea of the tuition service center as a delivery model. And then with regard to the Alexander Health uh, Care Center and Clinic, 
is one of the facilities that the committee has visited. Uh, during the interaction with patients who were queuing at the frontline service, uh, service of the healthcare center, people indicated that they were on the queue for up to three to seven hours before acquiring healthcare services at the Alexander Health Care and Clinic. And the committee contends, condemns such inefficiency in the healthcare center. And 5.19, uh, aging infrastructure, which was not well maintained in the public health care centers needs agent attention by the national and the provincial health departments across the country, particularly at Alexander Healthcare Clinic, in order to avoid future disasters. And 5.2 shortage of staff in the healthcare clinic impacts on the quality of the healthcare services in the province. And this was due to the limited budget and some hospital operating at 50% capacity. 5.21, filling uh, of the vacancy in the Department of Health took longer than anticipated. And the Provincial Department of Health has to ensure that appointments of funded, uh, funded vacant posts are filled agently within six months. And uh, 5.2, appointments of interns across all frontline service departments has to be prioritized in order to strengthen capacity in the public health care. Uh, 5.23, the management of utilization of leave in the healthcare centers uh, needs to be given a necessary priority, and the Department of Health has to ensure that leave applications do not compromise, compromise provision of healthcare services, and managers need to consider staff complement when approving leave in the healthcare centers. And the, the Alexander Healthcare Center needs to develop a standard operating schedule to manage queues across the center. Use of security officers for queue management has to be reviewed and assigned to queue managers. And then with regard to 5.25, security personnel was insufficient put, and putting health workers and patients at risk. And then we visited uh, Captain Park and the Swanee Department of Home Affairs, uh, Home Affairs Centers. Uh, 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 these are the observation and key findings. Uh, the shortage of staff and inadequate budget are the major challenges impacting on the efficiency of the Department of Home Affairs. And shortage of, shortage of, shortage of staff results in long queues and employees fatigue. And then again, what we have discovered is that connectivity and system unreliability contributed to inefficient services and have, in, have, and have impact on the queue management. And the IT system in Home Affairs Center needs, needs to be improved, needs to be improved, uh, to be improved. And the network goes offline and this affects servicing clients in the front line. In 5.28, home affairs should continue with a mobile truck or office and visit and visiting school annually for registration of ID for learners. And this will result in the reduction of long queues at the home affairs offices. Uh, both home affairs uh, centers uh, visited by the committee were, were leased from private owners, which resulted in dispute over maintenance of the building. Uh, then 5.30, uh, we said the, the undocumented foreign nationals are putting tremendous pressure on the, on service delivery and home affairs operation to process immigration uh, services. And then 
and then with regard to the Department of Health, we have visited Tembisa and Mamelodi Hospital. Uh, that was an announced visit. Uh, it was discovered that a, a lack that there is a lack of. It was discovered that a lack of regional hospital in the neighbourhood of Tembisa and Captain Park. Captain Park. Uh, uh, Captain Park makes Tembisa Tertiary Hospital attend and admit patients without referrals from regional hospital and clinics. And then 5.32, Gauteng uh, government has to consider re-establishing Captain Park, um, Captain Park Regional Hospital to ease pressure on Tembisa Tertiary Hospital. And furthermore, it should build a new hospital around this deep, deep, deep slot to cater for the people coming from that side looking for healthcare services in Tembisa Tertiary Hospital. And 5.33, uh, both Tembisa and Mamelodi hospitals complained about uh, staff shortage and staff complement has to meet the number of patients in per day in order to provide quality healthcare services. And uh, with regard to 5.84, Tembisa Tertiary Hospital contributed 20, 29 million to billions of rent incurred by the Provincial Department of Health regarding litigations. The majority of litigations cases emanates from uh, cerebral palsy due to understaffing and fatigue encountered by health practitioners. However, some litigations are caused by pregnant women never consulting clinic or medical doctors during their pregnancy. And then when things went wrong, the hospital get expected to take responsibility. And this mostly happens with undocumented foreign nationals who seek services at Tempisa Hospital. 5.35, a provincial department of health needs to have standard operating procedure across all, all healthcare centers to manage queues. Uh, 5.36, we said the insufficient security personnel were cited in tertiary hospital, putting lives of the staff and patients at risk. And the hospital management have to be part of the process of appointing security companies in order to provide inputs on who best should be appointed in the healthcare facilities, as this was managed by the Provincial Department of Health. Uh, with regard to 5.87, the entire budget for the maintenance of hospital buildings get transferred to the Department of Infrastructure and Property Management, which is responsible for the maintenance. However, hospital management complained about encountering delays whenever they want to maintain their buildings. And hospital management appealed to have full control of budget on maintenance and to appoint or utilize internal staff for maintenance, which would be quicker affordable and cheap. And then 5.38, uh, the management team in Mamelodi Hospital was commended for doing a great job to the hospital and to the, to the Mamelodi community. The committee was pleased with Mamelodi Hospital's turnaround time to assist patients within 120 minutes and ensuring that the hospital does not have long queues in all, in all departments. And 5.35, uh, close supervision of staff in Mamelodi Hospital has been used to reduce civil claims resulting into litigations. And the COA encouraged all front managers to motivate their staff by having employee of their month functions as a way of encouraging excellency in their, in their departments. 
uh, with regard to the recommendations honorable members and, uh, and colleagues uh, we uh, we have noted the following recommendations uh, one for the department of public service and administration that the dpsa should consistently monitor nasa's effective implementation of the approved sdips to be in line with their annual performance plans the DPSA should intensify its effort to address identified bottlenecks on the SDIPs and ensure resources are allocated to this activity. And the Department of Health should frequently monitor service delivery improvements and develop improvement plans. 6.2, the DPSA, COCTA, and Government Communication Information System should conclude a long-standing matter of repositioning the prison service centers in order to bring this issue to finality and ensure service closer to the people. Uh, with regard to recommendations for the Gauteng Office of the Premier, uh, the following were made that the DPSA, in collaboration with the Office of the Premier, should speed up the process of analyzing the disciplinary cases within reasonable period. And then uh, 6.4, the Provincial Department of Health and the Department of Infrastructure and Property Development should, through the war rooms, work towards reducing highest backlog of the invoices paid after the debate. And then 6.5, the Office of the Premier should ensure all service delivery improvement plans submitted to the DPSA are integrated and linked to the strategy planning process of the departments. And then with regard to 6.6, the Department of Public Infrastructure and Property Development, Provincial Department of Health, and the National Department of Home Affairs should ensure maintenance of government buildings remain a priority in order to avoid any future disaster. And 6.7, maintenance budget for the hospitals transferred to the Department of Public Infrastructure and Property Development should be reviewed in collaboration with the Provincial Department of Health in order to allow hospital management to be part of the process of appointing external service providers. And then 6.8, the Provincial Department of Health should ensure that the process of appointing security companies is inclusive by allowing hospital management to be part of the appointment process. And then 6.9, the Provincial Department of Health should work with the Center for the Public Service Innovation in resolving queue management in most of the hospitals, particularly in the in the Alexander Healthcare Center and Clinic. Uh, 6.10, the Department of Health should provide proper funding for hospitals to fill all funded critical vacancies. There was a huge shortage of nurses and medical specialists in the hospitals. And uh, 6.11, uh, Houting government should reconsider re-establishing Captain Park Regional Hospital to ease pressure on Tembisa Tertiary Hospital. And furthermore, the Provincial Department of Health should consider building a new hospital between Dipslot and Oliver Holt Bush area to cater for the people going to seek healthcare services in Tembisa Tertiary Hospital. And then 6.12, the Provincial Department of Health should have a standard operating procedures across the across all healthcare centers in order to ensure uniformity of its business process. And 6.13, the Department of Health should introduce an IT system in hospital that captures 
biometrically the patients that routinely visit the hospital with a view to improve to improving on efficiency of system regarding time taken by the hospital to adequately process each patient. And then 6.14, the Office of the Premier, working in collaboration with the National Department of Home Affairs, should open and expand more home affairs offices in the province. And uh, cities such as Tuani and Johannesburg should at least have two home affairs centers to provide services to the people in order to reduce long queues in the centers. Uh, with regard to the Department of Home Affairs, uh, just only one uh, recommendation. The Department of Home Affairs should improve its connectivity and improve on the reliability of the system in order to ensure efficient and effective services, which will contribute towards minimizing long queues. And the IT system at Home Affairs needs to be adequately improved and maintained. So, uh, Honorable Chair and Honorable Members, uh, this is the end of the report. Uh, uh, and the end of the recommendations. Uh, uh, thanks, Chairperson. Hello, Chair. Okay, okay. Well, honorable members, that is the report. Can I hear your views on the report? Honorable Chair. Yes, Honorable Kibi. Yeah, thanks, Chair. I think uh, the report captured everything that we have done and uh, also our experience. And uh, one would really say, Honorable Chair, it was really a good thing for us to go out and do the oversight because in most cases, just receiving reports and not knowing what is practically happening on the ground is, is really one of the challenges. By going out, we are also encouraging the service delivery so that we can see people are really being taken care of. What you get sometimes on the reports, written reports, it's not what is happening on the ground. So from my side, I don't know from other members, I think uh, this report has captured everything uh, that we saw and what we also recommended uh, on that particular uh, uh, visit to Gauteng. Thanks, Chair. Thank you, Honorable KB. Any other input? Honorable Chair. Yes, Honorable Malomane, take the floor. Thank you and greetings to everyone. Let me also say the report reveals even the challenges that we encounter. It is a true reflection of what has happened during our oversight. And I believe when we did the oversight, it is it shows us if that it is really really important when we got reports that are presented and then to go outside and check whether the reports are the true reflections of what they're saying so 
I support the report. Thank you. I, I don't see any other member who wants to, to speak on this report. Uh, I can therefore say the report is endorsed by, by, by the committee. Unless there's a member who says no. No, Chair, thank you very much. Um, and uh, let's appreciate that uh, the report has been presented before this portfolio committee. And as such, Chair, I'm then uh, supporting uh, the statement of Honorable Maluman that uh, we support this report to be tabled uh, before Parliament. Thank you, Honorable Mkweba. The report is now endorsed by the committee and adopted. Uh, I want to thank you thank all. You, I want to thank all of you, honorable members. Uh, we, we, we have broken a record today because we finished our the business of the committee at 13 minutes past 12. Thank you very much, honorable members. Go well. Be safe. The meeting now stands adjourned. Thank you, Chairperson. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Chair. Recording stopped.